it's that time again. It's flat out RC podcast time, the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis, and drones. My name's Andrew Sill, coming to you from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. Big shout out once again to everybody that's listening abroad. Uh, I know that we always generally have Australian guests. I'm trying to get some international guests. Uh, managing time frames to do interviews is always a big challenge in between work and other commitments, but plan is to have some more. So uh, all good. Uh, we have a good local guest, someone that I met for the first time a number of weeks back when I went to a float fly event, a guy by the name of Mick Gunn, been around for a while in the hobby. So we're going to hear more about his story in aero modelling. But before we do, let's take a look at what's been on my mind. Twenty twenty three, and my model flying has really kicked up a notch compared to twenty twenty two. It's been I went to the flying field or flew a model airplane three weekends in a row. Had a good time at the uh, the Bragg Club, the Bauble Radio Modelers Club, uh, float flying. Get onto YouTube, watch the video. Uh, I went to my local club down at Pakenham, the Pakenham Districts. Association Radio Control P and Arcs. Can never remember all these acronyms for all these all these club names. Uh, made in a plane that I built during COVID time. A model that I've had for sitting in a box for years. Uh, it's a it's an extra thirty cc size, three D hobby shop extra. Built it as an electric model on twelve S. That's been phenomenal. Straight out of the box was perfect. Couple of clicks of up trim. That's all that was needed. No knife edge mixing and nothing. It's just beautiful. Bought some new batteries for it, which I haven't used yet. Flew that. Uh, bit of a foamy. And then the following week, uh, a few weeks now that's gone past. Not last weekend. The weekend before was the Pakenham and Districts, the P and Arcs, um, Monte Tyrrell Scale Rally. Which go to YouTube and you'll see the video that I shot there. A bit of fun. Uh, and. Uh, Flew my model, my extra on the Saturday. Uh, had about six flights or something like that. Had a lot of fun. Um, so I've probably done more flights in three weeks than I did in about six months last year. So uh, doing really well. Really got the buzz um, to get out to the field. Uh, but as I record this, it's just the day before Easter. Happy Easter to everybody out there that celebrates Easter. Uh, the weather's turned here in Melbourne. Uh, I always say that Easter is the dividing line for weather. Uh, so summer's over. My jet ski is going into hibernation. The model airplanes will be coming out. I, I do like flying when it's a bit cooler, so I, I don't mind that. It's just that uh, I'm looking out the window now to grey, overcast, wind and wet ground. So definitely not uh, conducive to model flying. I might get the sim out though later. Uh, but... Uh, there, there are a number of events happening though. There's one, there's one that's just happened, which is happening as I record this, which is the uh, the big scale glider event at Gerildery, which looks like it's a, a lot of fun. And looks like the weather's better up there than what it is down here. So hopefully that went all well. Uh, there's two other events that I want to remind you about: the Atuka Moama Model Aero Club down here on the border of New South Wales, Victoria, up in the on the Murray. Uh, they have their annual fun fly event, Saturday the 15th and 16th of April. 
at the VMAA Flying Field Watson Road, Canyapella. Basically, it's a chuka, just about outside of a chuka. If you look up Google, you'll a uh, chuka moment model aero club, you'll find it. 15th and 16th of April, bring anything that you want to fly. Um, doesn't matter whether it's aerobatic or scale or gliders, you name it, bring it. Really good facilities, beautiful pit area down there. Uh, I love getting down to a chuka, can't make it this year. Uh, hopefully, it'll make it later in the year to one of their other events, but. Uh, Refreshments will be available, so they'll uh, always provide good food down there. Roast dinner on Saturday night. Entry fees $10 per pilot, MGAA pilots, of course. Uh, jump onto the Facebook page. I think it's a good way to go. Chukamara Model Aero Club if you want more information or get in contact with anybody. Uh, or their website again, search up at Chukamara Model Aero Club. 15th and 16th of April. Get on down. And one more, Sergeant Tony Wilson. He's, he, he he gets angry if I don't promote his events. Uh, so this one's for Tony. Bensdale Mid-May Master, Sunday, May the 21st. Gates open Friday the 19th, though. So if you want to get there early, you can. Public entry, gold coin donation, MAAA pilots, $20 entry. Model of the Meat Award, no restrictions on model numbers or types. You got it, you bring it, you fly it. I'm hoping to get to this one. Camping, $20, toilets and hot showers, barbecue and fire pit, disabled amenities, catering on-site, heavy model permits if required. Bring them. Uh, so that's the Bensdale Mid-May Muster down here in Victoria as well. If anybody's got any events running, please send them through so I can give them a bit of a plug. Uh, anywhere from around Australia, it doesn't matter where you are. It just happens that these clubs in Victoria send me information. Uh, I've got a 100% record, of, I think, I think I have, of promoting events when someone tells me there's something happening. So uh, yell out, send me a message via Facebook or FlatoutRC website. Always good. Get on to www.flatoutrc.com.au and send me a message. So lots have been happening. I've been pretty busy. I've been uh, putting a lot of effort into some of the YouTube videos uh, and... Uh, I got a bit of philosophy about about content in the hobby and what my purpose is and what I'm trying to do and what I want to have fun with and and the videos that I shoot is is like a, a challenge for me to see if I can produce a piece of content that people like watching that is a bit different to what other people might do and um, so you'll see that I have a bit of lighthearted fun in in some of those videos. Get onto the Flat Out RC YouTube channel, you'll see what I mean. But uh, I have a bit of fun and and muck around with a few people who've always got the Flat Out RC Peanut Gallery in tow, which apparently the word Peanut Gallery is really expanding across model flying fields in Australia because friends keep on telling me they're out some other club and saw them and said, oh, you're part of the Peanut Gallery. So yep, uh, it's a it's a very privileged position to be a Peanut Gallery in the in the Flat Out RC Peanut Gallery. But yeah, trying to play around with different content. I'm, I'm sort of trying to move away from those videos where it's just planes flying because there's so many of them. And I don't know about you, but I get bored of watching model aeroplanes flying around on video. Oh, I, I love flying them, but um, I'm not great at watching them intently and because generally they're all variations in the theme. Now and again, I'll watch some freestyle aerobatics and stuff like that, um, but uh, generally they're just variations on a theme. And shooting model aeroplanes on video is an absolute and utter nightmare. Consider this. They're up in the sky. They're moving. They're far away. That's just a recipe for disaster for trying to film. So... Uh, 
most of the video footage that you get has to be planes flying low. I said to someone the other day, the easiest models to fly, film are um, freestyle aerobatics, people flying freestyle aerobatics because they're generally flying closer in. IMAC, good luck. Pattern, good luck. General scale events, people flying circuits at 300 feet, good luck. You're not going to get any great action when they're that far away. And people say, oh, we'll get a big zoom lens. We get a big zoom lens. And then what happens is your hand shakes. And it's very, very hard to track as well uh, the, um, the the models. Um, always uh, It sounds funny, but freestyle aerobatics is actually easier to film. It's almost, this doesn't sound right, but it's almost more predictable as to what they're going to do so you can track them. Uh, you know, flying scale, scale planes and circuits is just far away. It's just, oh. So most of the footage is really takeoffs and landings because that's what you can get in frame without too much camera shake and you get to that. It's, it's even when I take photographs. I, 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 you know, I take photographs when they're a mile away. They're always planes got to be closer in because you get sort of the angles better. So anyway, so we're just trying to create a bit of entertainment and some of them have been good. Some of the titles are pretty clickbaity, but... Um, Interesting with the uh, the videos that I shoot, more than half the audience is generally overseas. So, uh, and that's another thing with with flat out RC. It's I understand there's a lot of people that are interested in aero modeling that's just not in Australia. Most of the audience is actually overseas. So that's why I say a big shout out to them and uh, thank you for listening and watching. So jump onto the flat out RC YouTube channel, like and subscribe, watch the videos. See, tell me what you think. Give me some suggestions as to what you'd love to see. Um, and um, I'll see if I can make it happen. Just keep on experimenting with these videos and having a bit of fun because I do enjoy filming videos. A lot of fun. Uh, and love going to these events. I've said it once, say it again. Model flying events are awesome fun. So hook up with your local club events, your local associations down here in Victoria. New South Wales, Queensland, wherever you're located. Overseas in America, your war, your weather's warming up. Same as in Europe, your weather's going to be warming up now. You're coming into um, peak flying seasons uh, and lots of events. Get on down. And look, if you've got an event coming up, tell me about them. I'd love to help you promote them. Okay, enough of my yakking. Now let's get over it to my favourite part of the podcast, guest time. And this week, uh, it's a gentleman by the name of Mick Gunn. Mick uh, has been involved in the hobby from a young kid, like many of us have, and met him at the Bragg Club, the Bull Bull Radio Modelers something of something, the Bragg Club. Uh, and nice fields, got the ability, right on a lake, so float flying is a must there, but they've also got a strip and... Um, Mick's been involved in that club uh, and in other clubs uh, along the way. So uh, I'm always looking for guests that have got a story to tell. And someone said to me, hey, you should interview Mick. And so I went, okay, might as well interview Mick. And I'm glad I did. So here is my chat with Mick Gunn. You'll find out all about him. Keep on listening. Here he is. Well, we're back down here in the state of Victoria with a guest that I met at a recent event down, if you were on YouTube, if you've been on YouTube on the Flat Out RC site, you would have seen a video that I produced around uh, float flying. And um, whilst I was at that event, I met a guy by the name of Mick Gunn, and Mick is joining me today here on the Flat Out RC podcast. Mick, thanks for joining me. No problems, Andrew. 
Well, we're going to get to know you a bit more. Um, as I said, I only, only just met you really at the recent event. Had a ball, wonderful event, really, really good time. We'll talk a bit about that later. But where did your journey in aero modelling begin? Uh, I was pretty young and it started a bit like a, a lot of your guests with um, control line planes. Uh, as a kid, I was a bit of a bugger, really. I was hyperactive. Mum couldn't get me to settle on anything. So I just uh, fidgeted and ran around and didn't settle on anything. And anyway, mum noticed that the only thing that seemed to grab my attention and make me stop and take notice of anything was watching anything that flew, whether it was real planes, aircraft, uh, birds, insects, and so forth. So Mum bought me a model plane, a Cox PT-19 control line plane uh, with the A49 in it. And I was about 10 and a half to 11 years old at the time. What era? Give us an, give us an era. Is back in the 70s uh, or 80s? It was around, it was around uh, 1973 to 1974. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I'll go back a, a little way. <laughs> a little, yeah. Well, I was born in 73, so... Uh... You were getting into it. So how old would you say you were, around 10 or so? Yeah, I was about 10 and a half uh, when mum bought me that. They were everywhere, those PT-19s. Yeah, you could buy them in toy shops and news agents and all over the place. There's a lot to be said for having a good distribution model for the hobby. <laughs> if you got, I remember you used to see them in hardware stores. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was crazy. Uh, yeah, so that's how I got started. How did they fly, those PT-19s? Well, well I guess they're not really a trainer plane. They they, uh, they were all plastic and they clipped together. Um, not sure if they had rubber bands on the wing. I can't remember now, but uh, I think they did. They had rubber yeah. bands on the wing and the engine mount, the uh, base of the engine mount was rubber banded on as well. Uh, so they were just string lines and we just flew them. I just flew it in the park. I crashed it all the time. So uh, I just kept flying and crashing and then uh, I start, had to save me pocket money and started a paper round, chemist round, and that seemed to soak all my money up buying parts for this damn Cox PT-19. <laughs> so you could buy parts for them? You could. You could buy a fuselage, a wing or a tail, engine mount. But uh, I guess, yeah, they were pretty expensive for what they were. Guess how much you can buy one for now? Yeah, a couple hundred bucks, or I think, isn't it? No. No? Oh, look no, at this. I'm looking, no idea. I'm, I'm looking on eBay now, right? Uh, yep. Brand new in the box. $689 Australian plus $149 shipping from the US. My goodness. There's one here. Oh, it's an RC. Cox PT-19 trainer RC, $1,189. I tell you what, you wish you could, Oh, look, here's one. In the box, $822 plus around $100 shipping. So... You're looking at over $900 for a PT-19 that used to cost. What do you reckon they used to cost? Uh, I think they were about $50 at the time when mum bought it, which was probably a lot of money back then. Yeah, the moral of the story is we all should have bought Cox PT-19s as investments. 
right? <laughs> on those uh, those Type N gold head rear exhaust engines, you could buy them for about twenty five dollars brand new back then. Yeah. Try and buy one now for that price. No, nah, not going to happen. Okay, so you get this little PT nineteen. Where were you living at the time? Because you're down sort of Gippsland way now, but where where were you? Yeah. Um, I, I grew up in Alstonwick. Mum and Dad um, had a little terrace house in Alstonwick. So there was six of us lived in this little two-bedroom home. And it wasn't really much of a shed, and I started filling it up with planes pretty quick. Um, so Mum and Dad used to turn the lounge room into their bedroom every night, and the three, my two brothers and myself, would live uh, sleep in the main room with a bunk bed. And my sister had a tiny little room to herself. So, yeah, we were pretty well packed in. <laughs> now, now, let me guess. You flew this PT-19 control line plane at Elstonwick Park. Uh, there was, yeah, there was a few parks around that I flew it in. There was a couple behind our, um, our place, Allison Road, I think. There was one It was a big park there. It had a huge long slide. So when we weren't flying oh. planes, we were riding their push bikes down this long slide. I think I know the park that you're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, we were crazy as kids, so we'd um, fly the planes there. When the um, Cox PT-19 was starting, you couldn't afford to keep buying bits, so I had a bright idea. Me and one of my mates, uh, his name is Brian Johnson. He was also in the flying planes. Yeah. Uh, he was my best mate at school. I don't know if he's still involved in the hobby or not. We sort of grew apart after we shifted away. But um, we we started cutting wings out of plywood mm. and hinging an elevator on the back and then screwing the 049 on the front and then we were plying these in the park. Um, so if they crashed, you just pulled it out of the ground and went again or you went and raided Dad's plywood box and cut another wing. So they fly okay or not? Well, probably nearly as good as the Cox PT-19, so probably not that good, but we kept trying. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then how did things progress after that? Okay, so from there, when I was about 12, Mum and Dad uh, were taking their fortnightly trip to see my grandparents. Uh, so we were all packed in the car with my brothers and sisters. And I saw some uh, remote control gliders being flown at Elstonwick Golf Course. Yeah. And they were using a bungee to launch them. So I convinced Mum and Dad to stop. And uh, yeah, one of the guys that was flying there is pretty well known. Uh, it was the one and only Tony Sincotta. Oh, yeah, from old... Um... Hobby Hanger. Hobby Hanger, yeah, from Caulfield there. Yeah, yeah he was a big, yeah. big glider guy. Yeah, so anyway, we uh, went over and had a chat to him and he was uh, very friendly and he directed me to the CLAM, C-L-A-M, um, control line club that were flying out of Moorabbin Airport at the time. So... I, uh, they took me down to that club and I joined there and uh, flew at Clam for a few years. What was it like flying there? Because I, I, I remember seeing photos of the 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 control line circles there. They had two, two. They had two circles there or one. 
Uh, I think we ended up with uh, four there. Four. So originally when I started there, there was two, and then they uh, concreted another two circles in, so they concreted the centres uh, for the speed models and team racing, oh. uh, rat racing, that sort of stuff. So they used those circles for the racing models. So there was some... Pretty well-known guys from there, Robin Robin Hearn, he was into his speed models and so he saw these things whizzing around at about 200 miles per hour. They were very quick. Um, and a couple of guys, Ron Wilson and Graham Wilson, it was a Wilson and Wilson team. They were into team racing and they represented Australia in the world champs along with a guy by the name of Dennis Pryor and CEO Georgiadis. And I think they, one of them actually ended up winning the world championships. So th- those were the guys I was flying with. Uh, other well-known names were probably Doug Harlow, Peter White. Uh, they were into stunt stunt pl- planes flying then. So Doug took me under his wing a bit. He used to produce um, trainer kits. So I was flying the 15-size trainer planes um, fairly quickly. Moving on from the uh, four nines. Okay, I wonder whatever happened to that club. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I know Graham Graham Wilson then was still flying, although he he died a few years back uh, from cancer. Uh, I think Gra- and Ron Wilson also died from cancer. So maybe the fuels they were using weren't so good. Well, they're still they're still a. Uh... Clam F, Control Line Error Models of Frankston um, Group. Yep. Let's have a look at their thing. So maybe maybe that sort of... There used to be a club, club at, um, not, was it uh, Knox? Yeah, still going. I think that one's still going. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's interesting because we grew up in a similar area. So that's why I know, you know I can relate to, to the places that you're talking about. And I remember seeing gliders flying at Elsinwick Park from a young age, and that I just love seeing them there. They look so big, and you know, I'd be. I remember the guy saying, "Oh, you could fly it over the houses and get a bit of lift, kind of thing." But um, okay. <laughs> so, so you, you, how old were you when you joined the clam club? So you would have been what? Still, I was only twelve. Twelve. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And then okay, yeah, well, that was the, keep on going. Where, where do we go from there? Okay, so mum and dad end up, they move from Elsinwick and we end up at Glen Waverley, which was not a posh area then, I can tell you. It was um, uh, it was just a standard area. And uh, I still kept flying the planes. Um, uh, dad would take me to uh, Moorabbin and if he couldn't take me, I actually used to get my push bike out and I'd made a trailer and I used to put the planes in the trailer and ride from Glen Waverley to Moorabbin. No planes way. Yeah. That's crazy. So I was pretty, I was pretty keen. Yeah, you'd have uh, to. Be. So I was 15 then. Uh, Ron Wilson, he also, mum would take me to some of the club meetings and uh, Ron Wilson would uh, bring me home that evening. So, yeah, there's guys that went out of their way to help and, I mean, it wouldn't have been easy for mum with four kids. Uh, dad working at nights and stuff, so uh, the, the guys went out of their way to keep me in the hobby and help out where they could. I had a couple of interesting moments flying the control liners as I was learning. Uh, 
you know, the big learning curves you go through. So one of the uh, first homemade planes I made, uh, just a standard, not a stunt model, but just a basic sort of a model. Uh, and it was a fairly large model for for the day. Anyway, to get it to balance, I'd um, found this lump of steel, an old hammerhead, and I'd stuck that in the back of it. So you can imagine what was going to happen. Um, when it took off, it climbed like crazy, and then it dived just as quick. And so I was doing these circuits, just climbing and diving and trying to get this damn thing under control. And finally, when it crashed, that's when I could hear everyone laughing around behind me. And then the crash investigation happened and the club members found this hammerhead in it and they're just about rolling on the ground with laughter. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, yeah, the, they said, no, you don't put lumps of steel like that at the back of your plane. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Good move. So you still continue with control on for, for a while? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't have, couldn't afford RC. Um my parents were on a budget and, you know, I was only doing paper rounds, so RC was way out of the question. <laughs> yeah. Now, it was very expensive then. What was – we've got to ask this question. I haven't asked it for a while, but uh, as you progressed into your teenage years, did you continue or did you get distracted by other things? Oh, yeah, I did get distracted, but I kept flying until I was about 18, 19, so I probably persisted a little longer than – some of the other guys at my age. True. Um, but then, you know, sport, um, cars, your mates, going out with your mates. Uh, so I was playing cricket, squash, racquetball, cycling, and then girls, all that took over. <laughs> so the usual, the usual things. So I didn't, I sort of stopped by the time I was about 18 and a half, 19, I was really not flying models anymore. I still had them, but occasionally I'd pull one out of a park and show off to my mates from flying. But, yeah, basically I, I wasn't in a club. I wasn't flying them. So I then got married, had two girls, a mortgage, work commitments. So it was back when interest was 18 and a half percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay, so – where did you get back in then? So I got back in. It sort of we got the mortgage under control. I was about twenty nine, and uh, yeah, I saw you know the old trading post we used to have the That's right. big paper, looked like a newspaper. newspaper, like a newspaper with all the ads in it. Anyway, I was I was trolling through that and I found uh, a high wing trainer plane with Fataba gear for for sale. Yeah. And I thought it was a good idea to go out and buy it. Uh, probably wasn't the ideal model. It, it the, uh, had high wings, so I suppose that was good, but it only had a little 15 OS motor. And the radio gear was the old brown metal press case for Taba. Yeah. 29 meg with, uh, you remember the old four-pin servo leads? Yes. The exposed yeah. pins that, that had that, so even for 1991, it was pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my first remote control model. Um, I didn't by now, I was living in Gippsland, I was in Druin. Uh, that was where we'd bought our first first house. 
So one of my mates was living on a farm, so he he was egging me to come out there and try it out. So so I took the plane out to his farm, and uh, of course it was an ideal day. The wind's blowing a hurricane. <laughs> I've never flown an RC model before. Uh, I'm, I've got a picture in my mind as to what happens next. Uh, I got the engine going. It wasn't really enough power to take off from the ground, so my uh, helpful mate decided he'd hand launch it for me. He says, this will get it in the air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he launches this thing and uh, the model's all over the place and I'm trying to control it. The model's up, down, left, right. I was uh, I was too terrified to take my eyes off the model to see the trims, so to try and trim it out. I managed to fly it for a few minutes. I don't know how I managed that, but I did. Anyway, I said to him, I better land this thing or I'm going to crash it. So I managed to bring it back into the wind, loose and high, and I cut the throttle and then before I knew what had happened, the thing was upside down, diving in the ground. <laughs> that was the uh, end of my first RC flight and my first RC model. <laughs> uh, look, that's a common story. You know, That's why you know the elder statesmen tell us, join a club, get someone to teach you properly, protect your model. That's it. Well, I still hadn't found a club in the area. They, they weren't advertising, so... I, I didn't know of any clubs in the area, and because I'd been out of it for a while, I didn't know who to talk to um, at the time. So anyway, I, I persisted. I, I started making my own design, little two-channel models, bolted the old faithful 049 on the front, and uh, I kept trying to fly these at my mate's joint and uh, had more and more success. Um, after each failure or crash hmm. and end up being able to basically teach myself to fly with these simple models. So I was very persistent. Well, you obviously, obviously didn't mind repairing things though. No, no. Uh, or, yeah, or building. I was yeah, I probably had that experience from the control line days, I guess. Um was very frustrating every time you crash. No one likes to crash, but. I'm pretty stubborn sort of a bugger, so, yeah, I kept trying. Wasn't going to let it beat me. Yeah. Um, so I ended up talking to a workmate about my model plane efforts, and he told me about a club operating out of Warrigal. Uh, they used to fly opposite the old drive-in there, and they'd been flying there for a, a long time. And he'd apparently used to try fly there himself. So he told me where they were, and he actually gave me an old three-channel trainer plane as well. So I went out there on a Sunday and met the uh, members there. Of the, they were the Warrigal end of the Latrobe Valley Model Aero Club. So I uh, joined that club. And Alan Mayle, who flew at Warrigal, he uh, helped me fine-tune my flying a fair bit more than I was doing. <laughs> hmm, good. What was the field like there out at Warrigal? Uh, it was just a, a paddock which they cut a strip into. Um, there was no facilities or anything. Uh, just a small shed with a mower in it. But uh, yeah, that's all we used for years. Uh, I didn't really fly much at the main club site, uh, which used to be up at Canebrook, which was just miles away. For me, it was about an hour and a half drive or more. So. 
Um, I, yeah, I was happy flying at Warrigal. Um, and, yeah, we flew some mostly 46 to 60 size models, uh, some 90 size models there at the time, which were big for the time, I guess. Um, also, I caught up with Tony Sincotter at the Hobby Hangar, and um, so I sort of started acquiring more and more radio gear. He invited me to fly gliders up at Flinders, so uh, I met a group of modellers that was going there regularly. Um, met some old control line flyers like Ronnie Wilson and a pylon flyer, Pat Clark. So I started to meet a few other modellers as well, and I found the gliders a lot of fun, so um, which was good. Then, okay, what happens next? Okay, so I, was, I stayed a... I was a member of uh, Latrobe Valley Club for about 30 years. They ended up moving to the Lake Narrican site and uh, probably started to fly there um, a lot more with the main the main group. Um, I got better at flying. I started um, three competitions at the club, two of which were run at Warrigal. One was a combat event. And another one was a simple fun fly event I designed so that you could use basically any style model and still have a chance of winning. So we ran that for about 10 years at Warrigal. And then the main gunfighter combat event, which was run at Lake Narrican, that, that ran for about 20 years, uh, which uh, was quite a popular event. Uh, also... Myself and another well-known guy, Barry Nugent, he, um, we started indoor flying from Warrigal. So that proved to be popular and that ran for close to 20 years as well. Fortunately, a lot of the uh, regular guys there got old and, and died. So that slowly died out. 20 years of indoor flying is pretty good. I, I was involved with a little yep. bit of indoor and we probably did it for about two years and then okay. we all moved on from it because you know couldn't make it on the day or that kind of stuff but um it's good fun flying indoors it was good fun and and what um once you got into those 3d style models it really made you learn to use rudder yeah because you couldn't turn otherwise you'd be alarms just didn't cut it <laughs> yeah no it's true but it still amazes me i'm a very big rudder user like i I I won't buy a model unless it's got a rudder. You know, sometimes these slope sawers and they they just have ailerons. I'm like, no, I need to have a rudder. But uh, and I found myself on the weekend flying and and just straight away, yeah, just using especially with this like that little cub that I was flying needs a bit of rudder to help it turn nicely. But um, but yeah, you're true. You're like helicopter flyers know how to use a rudder, and uh, yeah, three D pilots for sure. You you're always on the rudder. Yep, that's right. So. Yeah, and, and really you shouldn't get into probably big aerobatic scale models or, or war birds unless you can use rudder, I guess, because yeah. uh, they need it. <laughs> it's true, very true. And what kind of models were you flying? Like when it comes to sort of categories of models that you sort of went down, was it a bit of a mix of everything or there was a certain categories that you really liked? Like well, probably a bit of a mix of everything. I, I, had a, I flew some... Uh, like scale planes, warbirds, uh, aerobatic planes. I like fast, fast planes, so racing-style planes and um, aerobatic stuff. 
World War Two war, warbirds I love, and also flew um, some aerobatic planes like the um, the early Patton models and that. I've had I've had a few of those over the years. I enjoyed the indoor and uh, like gliders. I've had a go at helicopters as well. <laughs> yep, uh, you've tried a lot. It's not much I have had a go at. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. But uh, you know, if you're in the hobby for a long period of time, you're always going to try to do something different to sort of mix things up but do you think that that you know i've found that i get influenced by my network of aero modeling friends that will say hey we should get these or was that the same in your case uh yeah although i I probably did more influencing trying to get events going in the club so that's how the gun the combat started i designed a little model and we used that for the combat uh that was a really fun event um, I guess the gliders, you get influenced. If you hang around guys that do that, you, you get influenced to go and do that. But it, that's um, an enjoyable – it's more relaxing, I think. Um, but I like the fast gliders doing that too. So I guess I like things that move along. It's the speed demon in you. Yeah, I think so. I always say there's two types of aero modelers: is those that just want to go fast, and those that are just happy to go a bit slower. But, uh, but um, you know, I know a few people, and they buy these planes, and you say to them, "You're not going to like it. Why? Because it goes mm. too slow, and you need it to go faster." Yeah, yeah the old timers sort of don't really quite cut the mustard for me. I have flown them, and I, if I'm in a comp with it, I'll enjoy that. But I wouldn't go out one out of the cupboard to go and fly it <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. I also um ran the vm the uh vmwa trophy team for around 15 years for the latrobe valley club so um that was that was uh that was good i enjoyed doing that uh the club actually did really well we we finished second heaps of years in a row we didn't quite pull it off though did that uh- it sounds like you've been very involved in sort of the life of clubs, you know, and organising things. Is that something that you sort of gravitated towards? Yeah, I guess so. I was also the club president there for a few, quite a few years, and I was on the committee there for close on twenty odd years. So um, I always tried to help out. We helped out with uh, with set up displays to show the public. Um, I ran some displays. Also got invited to display models for uh, scout clubs and uh, men's sheds, things like that. Um, yeah, so I've, I've enjoyed doing that as well, trying to promote trying to promote the hobby as much as I can. Um, I did my gold wings and instructor course, so did a fair bit of uh, teaching of kids and adults, especially at Warrigal. Um, and now at the new club, we're um, Back to probably being the main instructor there. Well, let's, let's talk about the new club. It's a good segue into it. Uh, it is called the. Oh, I always get these names wrong. We know it as the Brag Club. It's not because yep. they brag about their club, but it's the Borbor Radio Modelers Association Associ- of Gippsland. That's it. Right. Yeah. So otherwise known as Bragg, um, located on the banks of Blue Rock Lake. Uh, That's correct. Okay, at Willow so, Grove. Eh? At Willow Grove, yeah. So it's about an hour and a half east of Melbourne. 
Um, yeah. Drove there myself. Was a pretty easy drive. Didn't take that long really to get there. Didn't feel like a, a long drive. But no. uh, how did that club come about? Okay, so probably uh, about 15 years or so ago, I I arranged a lease there. Um, it was for the Latrobe Valley Club. Um, it was as a, a backup site for what they had. Um, unfortunately, they, they LVMAC was not overly interested in it because they, they already had a site with a lake. Um, so... They started to sort of not really want to maintain two sites and when the lease was coming up, um, they were going to get rid of it. So uh, five of us decided that we'd um, take it on and start a new club. So that's how it came about. Okay. So we uh, jumped at the opportunity. Um, we bought the – there was a container there and a, an old boat and a mower, which neither of which were working. Uh, so Phil, myself and Steve uh, paid for those items. I think it cost us around $1,200 for the container and so forth. So we, we just paid for that ourselves. And then we they, that sort of got the club started. We had a container we could use and, and then we sort of went from there. We um, plenty of working bees. We got a few funds together. We put up the pilot fences and spectator fence, and then we started getting a, a few members join in. And some of them have been really helpful with uh, both their funds and their time. It's quite a few Melbourne guys have joined because of the the lake, and uh, so they want to fly float planes. So I guess there's not too many places around you can do that. As I said when I was at, at the event uh, that you held, that uh, it was, I think it will become the home of um, float flying for Melburnians because we don't have anything that is really, really close or easily accessible for us to get to to, to, to float fly. There's an event that's held out by the Ararat Club down at Lake Bolak yep. at Queen's Birthday or King's Birthday weekend now. Um, and there's also up in Albury, I think they do something up at Lake Hume or something like that. But besides that, there's not a lot of, Float flying action happening the little bit at the dam down at the um, Mount Wallace Club down there, but um, so yeah, so it's it's it, it's a perfect location for it. When so, th- I think the club's growing already. We you ran one event, and how many how many new members did you get out of the one event? So we had um, seven seven new people join on the day, and I've had another two uh, join since. And there's another two people that have uh, got forms and looks like they're going to join as well. So, um, yeah, so we could have 10, 11 people join just from that day, which is fantastic, really. Um, I mean, we've, we've put in a, a lot of work. The uh, uh, Phil, the secretary, he's, he's uh, being a businessman, he's had a lot of contacts and, and know-how through approaching things like getting grants and stuff. So he's been really, really good at, at doing that. So we've been able to – we're able to get a grant from the VMAA and the MAAA, so they've been really helpful to the club to get going, uh, which that funded the two brand-new toilets that we have and also the mower that we're using um, that paid for that. 
And the Shires also jumped on board. We we got a $10,000 grant for that shelter that um, you saw when you were there. Yeah. And we've um, just finished doing that. So we had to put in the same as what the Shire did fund-wise, but we could do that with labour as well. Uh, so with, you know, there's uh, a few guys like uh, Graham Jenner and uh, Scott Calhoun, Jeff Stevens. Those three younger guys, uh, younger than myself and Phil and that, they were able to jump up and down the ladders and and stuff all day. And uh, so they did a lot of work getting that shelter up. Huge Meccano set. It was a, it's, it's, an, it's a really good shelter, but it's a really good move to have something like that, I think, at, at a flying field. It's, it's a big – how big is it to give people a bit of a context? It's uh, 12 metres wide by 9 metres deep. Yeah, so it's pretty. It's a pretty big shelter, and, and it gives you a good sort of base to to build up uh, uh, build up on. But um, everybody right. everybody had a great time. Like, so you held your it was an it was the open day, even though you'd been yeah. open for what a couple of years. Yeah, we, we were going to have an open day about oh, eighteen months ago, but with the COVID restrictions and and all that, no one was allowed to travel, so we had to cancel it. And then uh, once we got the grant for the shelter and we were trying to darn us to get that finished and we decided once we had that done, we'd have the open day then. So that would sort of showcase the field in a good light with the new shelter, better facilities. Um, so, I mean, we've got more proje- projects we want to try and get underway. We want to try and get a, 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 a relocatable jetty that we can use on either side of the lake. Uh, floating jetty. Yeah, um, we've got in the process at the moment of trying to get um, funds for a, a new zero-turn mower. Um, you know, and eventually, hopefully, we can do something about getting a clubhouse or something as well. So there's a few things happening. We're, we're not going to sit back and say, look, hey, look how good we've done and that's it. We're, we're going to keep moving forward with it. Well, the interesting thing my comment was to to a lot of the committee members was, gee guys, you look all stressed and and you know I, I know that um, that uh, Phil the secretary was really worried that they were you know missing a few things but you know but you didn't everything was covered uh, you know well and you know from all the people that attended they they just thought this was just a great place to be on that day the weather was perfect well we had drizzly weather it was like there was zero wind. Which helped, but from a flying perspective, it was absolutely phenomenal. Actually, when you think about it, it's even though it was sort of a cloudy day, it was better for flying because we didn't have to worry about the sun in our eyes at all. But that, it was that's correct. It was dead flat. It was beautiful. There was a little slight breeze came up in the afternoon, but it was nothing. It was actually a, a breeze that sort of helped us a bit. It gave us something to push push into in landing, but it was literally the windsock wasn't moving. So when I talk about a breeze, you know, we're not talking about ten knot breeze. The night before wasn't looking so good, though. It was, no. It was, blind, it was blind about 30 or 40 k's an hour. That's true. But uh, but it was in the forecast. Actually, the forecast was was right. So that really, really helped. And when I turned up and everyone's flying the electrics off the off the lake and, you know, when that, that sort of kicked off, it was just calming. It, it, you know, yeah. it was quiet and, 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 yeah, it was just oh, it was a phenomenal experience, and and as I said, go and watch the flat at us YouTube video, and you'll see YouTube video on the uh, on our channel, and you'll see um, the action from the event. But it was uh, 
just an awesome video that that's so that was good thanks for that yeah well that's all right no i really enjoyed i really enjoyed it and i was sort of rushed there were certain things that oh, i'm never happy nick with them. i don't tell anybody but i'm never happy with my videos because yeah. i look at them with different eyes to most because i produce them and I'm, i you know i haven't perfected any of my videos yet to be honest but um but yeah i really wanted to go and fly I hadn't been flying for a while and I really wanted to – I'd set up my little float plane, put my floats in my FMS FMS Cub, which was phenomenal to fly off the water. We had so much fun with it. My batteries were stuffed, though. I need new batteries. But um, oh, no. but yeah, it was it was it was awesome awesome event. And the, and but yeah, the, the stress on the committee's faces was hilarious because uh, you were so worried that you'd missed out on something or you hadn't paid attention to, to certain things. But everything was like ran like clockwork and and. As I said to, I think, Phil, who was one of the organisers, I said, you know, he rang me the other day and I said, you know, you're all so worried, but we're the easiest audience to please, especially when you've got that location right on this beautiful lake with a great view and, you know, that kind of thing. It was it was just going to be good no matter what. So we all had a ball. And that's why you got so many members. So that's the testament to it that so many new members joined. That's right. Well, Phil, Phil was pretty stressed. He, I think he likes to, you know, the show to be perfect. So I was I was trying to calm him down. I, I don't think I was too stressed. I I just roll with it. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah. The um, the president was he was pretty stressed as well. So anyway, it was, it was, was it was really really good. Like everybody that was there wants to come back. So well done to everybody yep. involved because we thought no, that it was, was uh, it was really it was good. great. We enjoyed. It. Yeah, we had help from some of the guys that came from other clubs as well. Guys like um, Tony Wilson, Sergeant Tony Wilson. Sergeant, yeah. He um, he uh, gave us some ideas on how to um, set up the raffles and um, uh, donation buckets and things like that. And he he was really really helpful and on because they've run plenty of events, so he gave us a lot of pointers on on what to set up and. Uh, had it had to get going so there's been quite a few people that have really helped out well there's no better person than tony wilson he runs probably more events than anybody else but the the other good thing was you had um the vmaa were present they were really really happy um you know the president yep. reeve was there vice president john yep. Gouge was there john flew a bit um and then you had the local one of the local councillors or one of the members of the council yeah, or something yeah, came down so i remember he was so impressed and they, they're actually Almost offering us more money to, you know, how, how can we improve this more? So that's true, and it's gone further because oh, a lady by the name of Emma got in contact me from the um, the mob yes. that managed the lake, Southern Rural Water, Southern Rural right, Water, yeah. and I've given her a whole bunch of photographs and a copy of the video so that she can strip out some bits because they want to sort of help promote, you know, what's happening down there as well. So. The good thing is, and this is not little. If anyone listening that's in a in a in a country town here in Australia, if you need funds, go and speak to your local council members and stuff like that, because they often have budgets that they need to spend on supporting different activities within you know within the shire kind of thing. And so, uh, if you go to them with a good plan and and you show them what you're trying to build and whatever, you'd be surprised how much money they might end up giving you. Well, the um, shelter was a prime example of that. When uh, when we uh, we got the grant okayed, um, and I think they must hand out a lot of grants, but unfortunately, a lot of the projects never get finished 
either on time or not finished in budget and so forth, whereas we were able to finish it pretty much in time, on budget, and they were extremely impressed. So they, they as soon as we'd completed it and signed it off, they were saying, oh, why don't you put in for a, a grant for a mower? So, yeah, so now we've got our hands out and putting the uh, club forward for a new mower now. Yeah. No, you'll get there. Okay. Now, let's get back to you. Brag Club, okay. by the way, if you want to get involved with the Brag Club, good way to go is the um, get onto Facebook and search Brag, B-R-A-G, or Ball Ball RC Model Aircraft Club. Uh, you will find the page there with um, uh, all the uh, all the stuff. Brag, B-R-A-G, Ball Ball RC Model Aircraft Club. Uh, they'll be putting up information on anything that's happening, so stay tuned. Okay, so back to you. Now, tell us, what's, what do you got in your hangar now at the moment? Now, we did talk about motorbikes because, you know, I'm into motorbikes as well, and you've got plenty of motorbikes. Yeah. We've, you yeah, you and I have already bonded over the motorbikes. What about yep. planes in your hangar? Take us through some of the, the, the big items. Uh, I've got so many planes, my, my wife. <laughs> she just hates walking in my shed. She goes, you've got too much stuff, and she walks out. So yes, that's I'd, the role of the I'd, wife, the aero modeler's yeah, wife. My yeah. wife says the same thing. I'd probably have more planes in my shed than would be in most model hobby shops. <laughs> What's the number do you estimate it? Uh, probably there'd be nearly a hundred kits there. I, I'd reckon. Oh gee. And I'd probably have almost a hundred built planes as well. So. They range in size from little indoor models, little micro helicopters, right through to I've got two 120cc extra aerobatic planes. So uh, I've got a big 10-foot wingspan quarter-scale Mustang I'm restoring at the moment and a couple of 84-inch span um, Thunderbolts. So one's a, a bubble top and the other's a Razorback. Uh, to to finish off. So, Are these all ARFs or kit builds or what? Uh, so the um, P47s, uh, one I bought secondhand, the other one's a kit build. The uh, Mustang is a scratch built. wasn't done by me, um, but I acquired it. Um, and I'll, But it needs a lot of restoring to get it flying again. So, um, so I, I do a lot of... I did a lot of scratch building, um, kit building, and I've got a, quite a lot of ARFs I've put together as well. But ARFs, ARFs don't take long. They They're do if you're me. Stupid. It took me five years to put 100cc together because it was on, off, on, off, on, off. <laughs> it was all over the place, but I eventually got there. Now, but if you if you go down to the club for a fly, what's sort of your go-to plane? Have you got a few favourites? Yeah, look, I've got a few that I'll, I'll go to at the moment. At the moment, I'm, I've got a 30cc Yak uh, 55. I, I fly fairly regularly. A uh, little petrol motor in that, DA, uh, DLA. Uh, I've got a Diablo, which is a pretty old model. That's oh, yeah. probably over 30 years old, that model. And that's got a Zenoa uh, 60cc in it which is still on magneto ignition yeah um flies really well um i've got a midget mustang i fly fairly regularly that's a 91 four stroke in it 
Um, have you got any float planes? Uh, I haven't got many float planes. And got, I did, what do you mean? I did have one I, I was getting ready for Sunday and I crashed it. You idiot. On what was the it? The weekend before. Uh, Catalina. It was about oh. six foot span with uh, all built up with two electric motors in it. So I flew it. I flew it the week before at um, first test flight. Flew beautifully. It uh, was flew like a trainer. Landed nice. Took off from the water nice. I had a second flight with it, and yeah, I was really happy with it. It was flying beautifully. I was coming in for a landing about thirty feet off the water, and I decided to drop the tip floats. And as soon as I did that, it just Bun into the water. I still don't know why. It wasn't going slow or anything. It just it had no reaction to the motors, nothing. So it either got a bit of water in something or something shorted and it just dived in the water. Is it repairable? Yes. But time time is not my friend at the moment. I've, um, other than working for myself, I'd fix computers as a living um i've also got uh, my wife and i have permanent care of our two grandchildren so they're only two and four and we've had them since they were five days old and 10 weeks old so you know, a lot of the time if i'm not working i'm watching the kids and yeah, my wife uh, by the time sad day comes around <sighs> she's tearing her hair out and it's uh I've had enough. It's your turn. You're watching the kids play. So Sunday's my get out and play day at the moment. Yeah. Whether it be bikes or planes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, at least you got the one day. So that's okay. Okay. So uh, what, is, uh, what are you working on? What, what models are you building at the moment? What's your main focus? Uh, so at the moment, I'm getting. Um, uh, what's. Just trying to think of too many on the go. I've got uh, P47 I'm trying to get ready. Um, a, a pilotless porter. Um, I've just about got that ready to go. Using, going to use that as a glider tug. Okay, yeah, um, that would be good. So I've got some, a couple of big gliders. I've got a big KA8 with a six-metre wingspan. Uh, and some other gliders there. So... Um, I've got a and a Jodel. I'm, I've just about got ready as well. Uh, that's also got a hundred cc there in a twin end, twin cylinder. Okay. So they're the ones I'm trying to get sorted at the moment uh, to ready to fly. Um, so yeah, should have some big models down there soon. Yep, you got to get float plane too. Oh, yeah. Float plane that's there true. <laughs> that was that was. Awesome thing. I'd like to get another Catalina going. I know Ross Bathy's got some, he's been building a four meter wingspan one, but so I wouldn't mind maybe maybe doing one of those. Yeah, that'd be nice. They were, a couple of 30. I got to go. Oh, actually, I don't think I shot the photograph, but if you, anyone looks on the Flat Out RC Instagram or Facebook page, you'll see a photo of a Catalina nose diving in the water, which I think Darcy Wilson took the shot because I can't recall. Uh, that that was the Canada, I think. Oh, the Canada. Sorry, yeah, the Canada. That's right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he, uh, I think it was Darcy Wilson who took that shot, but um, awesome shot of it nose diving into the, uh, into the water, which was good. 
I think I got a cool shot of you there on the day too. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. But it was hard to tell because there was like three of us or something had the same plane uh, flying around, so it was hard to tell from the photographs who was who. But you could tell my one was the one that had like a, a dint in the front cowl because from some hangar rash it fell fell over or something, put a hole in it. Not. I I got one of uh, you flying your drone. It's a, oh, did it's you? A, yeah, you're the main man in the shot. Oh, see, I'm going to have a look at this photo. I'm going to find yep. it. So, yeah. that, that's a frightening thought. Me. <laughs> you know, You'll see so. it amongst the pictures I took. So. You know, it's funny. Like, I, I've been on countless videos. You know, I run a marketing business and I've been on camera a lot for customers' videos and stuff like that. And I don't have an issue in seeing myself in videos. But when I see photos of myself, it's like, oh, gee, where'd that head come from? <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> It's just, it's just uh, weird like that. I, I don't know. Anyway, because normally I'm taking photos of everybody else. So, and when I'm filming yeah, video, fine. it's normally I'm f- filming myself. So I don't know. It's a bit weird. That's why I purposely took one of you. Yeah, thanks for that. Oh, wait a second. Here are the photos. I'm going to go through and find this photo of me. Uh, I may have yep. seen it actually. Um, such a good event. Like you know, I, I love going to a good good event like uh, like you had and. Are you there? I am. I do like an idiot. Um, <laughs> with Darcy Wilson <laughs> and the Link Banco next to me, otherwise known yeah. as the Peanut Gallery. But um, that's it. Yeah, we were having a yeah. We just oh, everyone just had such a good time, and I, I was just buzzing. And from the day after, when I always have this challenge: is you have a great day out on a Sunday, and I can't focus on the at work on Monday. So mm. I think I lost money on Monday and it's all your fault, Mick. So if you could uh, oh, make the experience worse, then that would be better off for everybody. Thank you. But, um, uh, no, nah, it was good times. Isn't, isn't it good to see young guys like uh, Darcy uh, Belint and also young Harrison uh, involved in the hobby? Well, you know what's happened? Um, I'm in a little chat group with them. I'm the elder statesman. They're all younger than me. But uh, Belint knew Harrison and got Harrison into it. And they did have another friend that was doing it as well with them, uh, but he's since gone the way of cars. Uh, yep. And I think what's happened is there's not a lot of young people in the hobby for various reasons, but we can discuss that another day. But but they connected with each other. So Darcy Wilson, Tony Wilson's sons um, from Bensdale Way, um, and he's been, you know, Flying iMac and with Harrison, Belint, and all that kind of stuff. So they've got their own little youth group going down this neck yep. of the woods, uh, throwing Brad Worm up in a chuka. So we're spread all across Victoria and they motivate each other. And Which is Tony great. Wilson's a very bad influence on his son that Tony loves the planes as well. So, and Darcy's more than happy to go to the club with him. So they're terrible together because they just egg each other on to keep on going to flying events. So I think this weekend they're probably going to an IMAC event at Wangaratta yep. is coming up at this you know, time of recording this this interview. But uh, so they're um, so yeah, it is good to see them and you know they're, they're doing really well. And and to me, I think we always laugh about how guys uh, get to the age of eighteen and then get interested in other things. Yeah. These guys seem to not be slowing down. You know, Belint's now 19. Cameron Sexton, throw him into the group. Gavin Sexton's son, he's 19. He's not slowing down. Harrison's in love with the hobby. So it looks like they're going to they're gonna stick around. And I always say to them, you know, you guys are going to be 
80 years of age reminiscing about the old days that you've been together for that long. So I said, don't annoy each other. <laughs> like, just get on, all right? I know that you're all young kids and, <laughs> you know, just get along because you're going to know each other for a very long period of time if you keep this up. So um, I think there's probably a common thread with all of them in that their, their parents are quite helpful for them in the hobby as well. Yes, that that's true that they've all got that. And you know what? That's the recipe for success. You have to have parent involvement for the kid yep. nowadays to get involved. So, for example, those days when you put the built a little trolley or, you know, a uh, trailer that you put on your back of your bike and rode your bike and Glen Waverley to Moorabbin, uh, well, that yep. is just massive. How many Ks do you think it'd be? 15 each uh, one? I'm not sure. Least. Yes, probably at least 15, At yeah. least 15 Ks each way. So that's a 30K round-trip bike ride towing a trailer on the behind, with on a bike, behind a bike. People just won't – when was the last time you saw a kid riding a bike down the street? Oh, you don't see them outside playing sport at all much these days. No, my kids just love love the indoors. I keep on saying to my son, go outside for five minutes, get some vitamin D. But um, but you know no. what? It's a different era nowadays. And so the guys that we talk about are, you know, a, a different breed of, of of kid that wants to go out and 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 loves the flying thing, and so they're happy to be there. So um, and plus. Cameron's got Cameron Sexton's got Gavin. Tony uh, Darcy's got Tony. Belint's got his parent, yep. but he can drive now, so he's he's you know he's he's fending for himself. Uh, you got um, Harrison's mum Sonia. It loves coming down to the flying club. Of, you know she loves the social aspect of it, so she's happy to yep. be there. Harrison will get his license when he turned eighteen at some point in time the next year or two or whatever, and then he'll be off by himself. Um, you know, Brad Worm had his dad helping him out, and his mum was also supportive as well. Brad's heading towards eighteen soon, and he's got a car ready yep. to go, and a trailer, and so he's he'll be fending for himself. So yeah, moral of the story is parents have to be very supportive. That's right. I'm happy to be supportive for for my kids to fly model airplanes, but you know what's interesting? Speaking about men and women and aero modelling, I had a look at some statistics of some of my YouTube videos the other day, and they tell you male or female watching. Hundred percent male. Not, not yeah. one female watches my videos. It is a very mm. male-dominated sport for whatever reason. I don't know. My youngest daughter, she um, she uh, used to come out flying with me when she was around fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, and she gained gained her. She flew enough to get her wings, and she flew in a couple of the combat competitions with me as well. But yeah, unfortunately, she got same same thing. Got to the nineteen twenty, and uh, and it was uh, friends get married, kids, and that was the end of that. So. Yeah, we well, were a different breed. Like as I was saying to you the other day, we are modelers, are tinkerers, and we've got vivid imaginations, and we're into lots of different things, including motorbikes and cars and boats and fishing and all this kind of stuff. And what's interesting is yep. a lot of the, the the kids that we talk about, yeah, they're into other things as well. You know, they're happy to go yep. fishing and do other things. So, um. So yeah, we've got very active minds. Maybe we've all got. Uh, we all can't sit still. We need to be doing something. So Mum did say when I was a kid that because I was so hyperactive that um, she'd rather have had twenty other boys to one of me. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I think it is 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 as a group we have to be stimulated. We we get bored yeah. easily, and we need we need to focus our attention onto something. And be progressing with something like you know, with model airplanes, it's a never-ending quest. Really, when you think about it, there's always another model. There's always something else to fly. There's another place to go fly. There's, you know, 
<laughs> how many chats have we had with our aero modeling mates about the same things? Like, what oil to put in your gas motor, and what about your servos? And uh, it's like, oh. but the the variety of stuff you can fly, whether it's a, a Delta or a Canard or a biplane or a, a stunt plane, or the scale scale. Uh, Warbird or jets, the the list is just endless. Yeah. And I, and you know what, I'm happy to fly most of them. What I really loved on the weekend was just a bit on float flying here. My experience was that it it's a very social form of flying, and it's weird to say that, but I I, I was trying to think why I thought it was felt more social, and I think you. There are there are a number of us flying up in the in the airspace at the time, so straight away you've got other people to fly with. But yep. there's no runway, there's no designated runway. So when it comes into landing and stuff like that, everyone communicated really really well because they knew that they had to. You got the variable of the water. Um, we weren't flying really high or really low because the planes look better with their floats stuff when they're a bit lower. There's no point in flying you know three hundred feet in the air. So, and we we yep. flew circuit stuff, but. I found that um, sometimes you can get into that atmosphere where people just uh, are relaxed and they have fun. So um, I really enjoyed flying with Belint, who had the same kind of plane as me, and we created the yep. flat-out RC float flying formation team uh, <laughs> on the spot. And we just flew in formation, just circuits and stuff, and we'd get really close and I'd say, I'm going to do a touch and go, and Belint would say, okay, I'm going to be right behind you. So now it became this like team thing where it's two of us going for a fly, and I'd say to him, "Your battery's charged." Okay, come on, let's go again. And we'd literally yeah. put our planes at the same time, and then take off together side by side. And then one would lead, and one would follow, and we'd see how close we could get. It just changes the dynamic, and oh, that's it. Just you know, we weren't trying to be the best pilots there. We were just having pure fun with our planes. It was just let's see how close we can get. You know, everyone's saying, oh, come on, one person fly inverted on top of the other and all that, and it wasn't going to be me. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, that was awesome fun. The one thing you probably did more of than than most guys that fly land planes only is touch and goes. True. Yeah, no, true, because, I, look, I get bored really easily. I've said it 101 times. And so when I'm flying a model plane, just flying cir countless circuits doesn't really excite me. My batteries weren't very healthy. I'm actually going to discharge them and throw throw them away because I think they're past part gone gone past the use by date. But uh so I was pretty conservative. But doing the touch and goes because it's water. You don't fly off water like that. And the planes look great when they come in on, on the water and, and the way they run across the water. And it's just another challenge. And so yeah, it was um it was great. And I, I loved coming in for a landing and seeing if I could sort of land it in the spot that I wanted to. It would mean it was a very short taxi to get off the lake. And the, yep. the FMS supercar was just phenomenal. I, at one flight, I was trying to see if I can just literally not stall it, but come in as slow as possible, not low, as slow as possible, and see what would happen. I know I, I, one flight, I was probably about four meters off the deck coming in to, to land, and I thought, I'm just going to chop the throttle here and see what happens. And the thing just kept on floating in. And it just touched down so gently, and I thought, "Oh, this plane is just so easy. It was just <laughs> so easy to fly. It made me look great." But um, the first landing that I did that that the if you watch the video of it from that I shot, 
I filmed the flight. That was literally the maiden flight on floats. I'd flown it off the land before, but that was a maiden flight off floats. I didn't have a any, and another flight before that. But uh, but um, the landing was probably a bit faster because I thought, oh, maybe I need to come in a bit faster because it's on water. But yeah, you could just slow them down. No flap needed on the landings. Gently breathing. Yep. It was just, oh, I can't wait to come back. That's- we just need to have that weather back and then that'd be good. Yeah, no, that was good. Everyone enjoyed themselves. It was really good. Yeah. And the guy that uh, won the, the uh, prize that was donated by Albury Hobbies, um, Albury he's, he's going to, yeah, yeah Albury RC, he's um, going to join the club as well. So there's uh, it's another guy that's going to be involved soon. Well, that was good, actually. And it's good to see Albury RC doing a great job in supporting events. I've got a big shout out to the guys. They're a good bunch of guys. They work really hard and they've actually got. Uh, a really good range of planes and products for the Aero Modeler. Uh, and yep. so, you know, at one point in time, probably all of us have bought something from Albury RC, but if you haven't, go and check out their um, their website. Just Google them. You'll, you'll find Albury, A-L-B-U-R-Y um, RC. And, yeah, big thank you to them. They donated an FMS Super Cub, which is the plane that I was flying, and um, uh, um, Phil, the secretary, rang me. He said, oh, so glad you 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 talked about the FMS Super Cub, you know, because that was the plane that all BRC donated. So you know, a bit of a plug for the model that they donated. I'm like, well, that's the only model I've got. Uh, I actually mm. got actually that was given to me by by Model Flight but years ago for um, magazine review. But oh no, actually, sorry, I correct. No, it wasn't Model Flight. It was uh, the distributor that no longer exists. Um, Ace Hobbies gave it to me, but uh, but yeah, good, awesome plane. Get it from our Albury yep. RC. They've got they've got them in stock. I think so. Um, great plane to so, because the the kit comes with floats as well. Um, yeah, that's right. So it's good value for money, and and, and it just flies beautiful. The floats are actually set up perfectly too, and it's a really quick way to you know quick to to change from normal landing gear to the floats as well. So, uh, well, job. I think there was three of them there on the weekend. There were there were three, and uh, what we oh, I don't know who had the third one, but we should have uh, got him into and signed him up for the flat out RC float flying formation team. Yeah. Trying to remember the that name. What I named <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, there's a lot happening um, now. We're up to that final question, the question that everybody wants to know the answer to, because it's we get lots of different varied answers. This is episode 137, so we've heard 137 different views. But Nick Gunn. What is your favourite model? Okay, so the plane, I don't know if it's my favourite, but it would be one that I would probably not like to lose, put it that way. It's, I've had it for a very long time, and there's probably a lot of modellers have seen this plane. Um, I got it from Tony Sincotta. Um, now, it used to be, it was a silver top flight P-47, and it used to hang up in his original Caulfield shop. And then he moved to the opposite side of the road and it hung up there. And then mm. he moved a couple of doors up from there and it hung up there. And then he moved to was it East Bentley and uh, changed to yeah. Satin Hobbies. So um, I, he actually um, got me to build models for him for a while. Oh, did he? So I was building, I was building gunfighters. Uh, for some for our club members and then I was building them for Tony. He was selling them in his shop um, as an ARF and also a little trainer plane I designed. He was selling those and some ISIS gliders he wanted me to sell. So I'd, I'd turn up there with an armful of models uh, once a month and once every couple of months and 
um, this time he didn't have any funds. So he said, oh, here, take this home. So he handed this P47 over to me, and this was about 25 years ago. Mm. So when I got it home, I looked over, I thought, oh, I'm never going to fly this. It's it's just so old school. Who'd fly this? It was set up with three servos in the wing, one for ailerons via bell cranks, one for the flaps via bell cranks, and one for the mechanical retracts, mm. one servo for the elevator and one for the rudder. Um, so anyway, I kept looking at it, and in the end I thought, ah, oh, just put it together and fly it. So, I mean, even back then, you know, 20 years ago, we were already putting a servo on each elevator half, one per aileron. Uh, so it was pretty old school. So anyway, I had an old OS91 FS four-stroke with a put a classic master air screw 14.8 prop on it. And this thing weighed over 10 pounds ready to fly. So it's not a lightweight. It's a 60-size model. So anyway, I, I put it in the air and I was absolutely blown away. It flew beautifully. It just had really good presence in the air. And um, even with the weight of the model, it, it has good authority through loops, manoeuvres. You, you need the flaps for landing it so it slows up. Yeah. So this model's probably more than 50 years old by the time all the time it was hanging up in the shop. And I've had it for flying on and off for, you know, 25 years now. Um, so that's that's probably the model I'd most be most disappointed if I lost. Uh, and I keep looking at it and thinking, should I restore it or not? But I, I can't restore it. I just I just keep flying as as it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. No, I think um, so, it's a good way of viewing it. Actually, the model that you wouldn't want to lose. Yeah. So yeah, so there's not too many RC models that could say they're. You know, half a century or more old. That's true. That's true. Well, Mick, you've you've been around the game for a long time. You you've helped out a lot of clubs. You've you helped run the event and a uh, bit of a driver behind it. So well done. Big thank you from everyone that attended the official opening day of the Bragg Club. Big thank you to everybody because uh, we had a ball. It was just so much fun. So uh, and we can't wait to do it again. And I'm I'm I've been spruiking this. You just got to encourage a club to have their annual float fly at some point in time. Generally, in the warmer months, would be nicer for us because we'll build it up and it'll be a it'll be a great event and uh, help support the club as well. So, a big thank you to you, Mick. Yeah, uh, more than welcome. I'm glad everyone enjoyed themselves and um, yeah, we're going to keep trying to build the club as much and as quick as we can. About to leave, already packing. Come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done and dusted. A big thank you to Mick Gunn for joining me. Uh, I love meeting new people uh, in the hobby and finding out more about them through this podcast. It's really good. You know, we had Mick, we had Russell Easterway, which uh, some really good feedback on on that episode. So, uh, and there's more. Uh, I've got another, I've got some interviews in the bag. So we'll be back in another fortnight. Don't forget, if you're loving the Flat Out RC podcast, leave us a few stars to tell the world that you like us. Don't forget to subscribe to the Flat Out RC YouTube channel and Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Instagram and Facebook, we always see photos from events. I trick feed them out. So you'll see some of the stuff. And you know what? 
all those photos. You know, there's other Instagram sites out there that steal my photographs. Those photographs were taken by me. They came out of my camera. I must thank Darcy Wilson though. He took it. He sometimes some of the young guys uh, like using my camera gear. So I was like, okay, here, go and take some photographs. So some of those photos are from the likes of Darcy Wilson. So uh, from the the, the brag club, the, the float fly ones that you see. So with Darcy. So, uh, but they're coming from the flat out RC lens. We don't steal other people's content here. We just make our own, which I think is part of the purpose of the whole flat out RC movement. So, get on board. Hope you're having fun with the hobby. Get out there building. I'm working on some planes. I tell you what, F5J gliders and trying to get all the wiring in place with the receivers and stuff like that. Nightmare. Been having a battle with my glider trying to get it all up and running. Just need to get all the wires inside the fuselage and get the CG right and get the battery, be able to put the battery and the hatch on top of the battery. I don't know how you glider guys do it. I'm terrible with wiring, but it's a mess. But anyway, I'm going to get there. And I've got another another jet project on the go as well that I hopefully will get flying very, very shortly. I'm loving it. Hope you are as well. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Talk soon. Let's go.